Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this when Tuesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep, Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick with you uh, this morning. We got a busy, busy day, a lot of news. We're in like this weird quiet period here. There's no earnings. There's a Fed meeting starting today, but we'll get the announcement tomorrow. So we're in a weird quiet period in terms of macro news, but a lot of individual movers today. Uh, Shopify has an offering. Uh, FedEx is raising prices. Kraft Heinz is a big after-hours seller. Uh, Netflix has a headline. Uh, SeaWorld has a headline, so a lot to get to on our show in terms of individual uh, stocks. We'll, of course, talk about the follow-through from oil in yesterday's session. So let's jump right to it, Joel. What's the word here in the S&P futures overnight? First of all, we say good job to you, Spencer, and uh, Henry for coming up with that uh, that new intro there. Pretty fancy. I like it. I hope I hope I did it okay. I hope did you, you guys it. like it? I, hope you I liked see it. that Rob Hood liked it. A little I bit. liked it too. You know what? I, the problem was I was listening in the background. I forgot, and then I so I only saw the hat the last half of it. Oh, so you, well, I you missed the replay. It. it wasn't yeah, can you replay it? You'll have to watch it on tomorrow. Show, <laughs> I'll watch it on tomorrow. Show. Okay, <laughs> I'll tune in tomorrow. Tune tomorrow crap, eight, just to watch the intro. <laughs> All right, S&P. They look pretty Fug- cool, though. Uh, S&P well, the back half, that is. Uh, yeah, we even got a little bit of Canada in there, didn't we? Did we get a little bit of Canada? We show Windsor? Did we show Windsor? A smidge. Maybe a smidge. Oh, we got Windsor in there. Go Canada. We, there, there was uh, They caught a picture of you going into um, one of those uh, shops over there. Uh, Dennis. Oh, the, oh, the pot shops? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> S&P futures down $2, two, two bucks, $99.50. Basically sticking in yesterday's range. We did pierce yesterday's high by a tad, but couldn't clear Friday's close. So that's the number for me today, $08.50. Pre-market low, $95.50. Yesterday's low, $83.50. So just really no great numbers here. We will be uh, we'll be looking. Maybe tomorrow we'll get some more volatility. Uh, crude, uh, this, besides the fact that there's supposed to be a lengthy delay here, they're not running with it yet so far in the crude oil futures market. We're down 83 cents. It's 62.09. Yet to breach the high from yesterday. I think that's a big number. I think we mentioned that yesterday too. 63, 64, I believe, was the high. Uh, no, 63.38. That's your big target on the upside for crude oil. Gold flat, this is called gold flat at uh, 1512. Silver down 7.6 cents at 1795. And I almost might get rid of Bitcoin here if it doesn't start getting away from 10,000, up $105 at 10,200. Are you long Bitcoin? No, no, I'm not. I want to be long Bitcoin. 
Yeah, I think I maybe get some GBTC. It's just it's just so dead. It's Should just, we just buy GBT? I want to buy. I think it's gonna go eventually. I you know, and I'm and everybody knows I'm not definitely not a Bitcoin um, fan long term. But I just think still I think there's more to go here. I think it's gonna make new all time highs. I'm gonna keep saying it. So I'm on the bull train at least temporarily for Mr. Bitcoin. All right, and Dennis, how, how are the trading gods treating you today? I sure hope they're. No, they're always treating me bad. But first, before we get into yeah. how the trading gods are treating me, uh, I gotta wish a f- happy birthday to my wife. Forty years old today, so she probably doesn't want 40? to do that. But gotta do it. Happy birthday, Laura! Forty years. Been... What you get her? <laughs> you can't say that. I, I'm pretty bad that way, actually. We had a party, so that's what we were going to take her out for dinner. You didn't get her anything for her 40th birthday? <laughs> You're kidding me. I can't give away all my secrets did here. You online. know what I did for Lisa's 40th birthday? What did, oh, no. Don't show me up. Yeah. What, I, what did you do? Well, I'll give you the good news and the bad news. The good news, and, and I worked really hard on it, I threw a surprise party for her. And I had people fly in from all over the country. See, and see, I've done something similar here. So we did have a party for her. So it wasn't a surprise party. though. We don't like surprise parties. We made a pact that we would never have a surprise party for each other. Uh, We made that pact like 10 years ago because we don't like surprise parties. The bad news is, is my mom told her before the party. Oh, so she wasn't even surprised anyways. And Lisa, so. well, she didn't tell me for until- You eight, blew it! She, she didn't tell me until eight months afterwards because she knew I would- <laughs> She <heaven>. knew. <laughs> she didn't tell me we were sitting in the airport in Charleston at like six in the morning or something. And she's like, uh, and somehow it slipped out. And I'm like, oh, I was furious. But it was a great party anyways. But uh, that, would, that was what I did. So I guess you're a little bit shy on that. No, we had a party too. We had an early party though because we had it up north before we left. So had a band. We did it all. So she's kind of already celebrated her 40th birthday. So this is just like bonus day for her. All right. So how are the training gods treating you today? No, bad. This month has been... Okay, so the training gods have been saying this. That last month they treated me as awesome as possible. Every time I'd come in, every morning I'd come in, I was like, holy cow, I got something else moving my way. Because you have overnight positions, right? And when you have 40 or 50 overnight positions every night, the odds are you're going to have one or two pieces of random news hitting your stock in a good way or a bad way. And it's always important to maximize. When the news is for you, you need to maximize those gains. And when the news is against you, you need to minimize the damage. And that's where the trading skills come into play. It just seems like this month, and maybe it's selective perception on my part, because I've been having a poor month, but it seems like every time I come in, I got another piece of random news moving against me. So, I mean, this is trading. If you're if you're trading just intraday and you're just a day trader, you're going to have, you know, you're not going to have news affect you as much because a lot of news doesn't come between 9.30 and 4. But if you're holding swing trades and you're holding overnight, you will get trades and news that will be for you and news that will be against you. And you've got to learn how to trade within that and trading through the news. When you've got something, you know, just like the Oracle the other day, I wasn't planning on holding it through the report, but they reported a day early. So, okay, now I've got to go into damage control and figure out how to minimize the damage as much as I can. So today I have three pieces, three stocks, three separate stocks moving against me. I have one piece of news for me, so it makes for an ugly morning. So you got to work it out, and you're going to work it out as best you can, and that's all you can do. All right, so what's working? And, and what, what I've started to get better at is I used to really get frustrated with it. You know, when you're on a bad run and you're getting a bad run of luck, you know, you let it affect you. You can't let it affect you. You just got to do what you do, especially if you're very mechanical like I am. You know, I'm 
pretty much quantitative. A lot of the stuff I do, a lot of different types of uh, risk arbitrage, different types of things that I'm doing. And you just got to work out of them. So, I mean, like, you know, I can give you an example. For instance, I'm long Home Depot today. So I'm long Home Depot overnight. The thing's downgraded. So it's going to be down. And this is an overnight trade, which I intend to get out of at 930 or slightly after the open, maybe even in the pre-market if I can work out of it. But I mean, you know, it's downgraded. So, you know, well, it's down 1%. That's probably what it's worth. It's probably fairly priced in here. So I know I'm going to lose about two and a half bucks on this thing. That sucks because when you're coming in stocks for 10, 20, 30 cents, you lose two and a half dollars on one. It pretty much ruins your day. But I mean, that's the way the nature of the beast because other days I might have a stock that's upgraded. Maybe Home Depot gets upgraded. I'm having to be long it. So, I mean, it works itself out in the long run. Uh, but I mean, it's just one of those runs where I've just had a lot of news moving against me. All right. Let's start with the news here. And uh, let's go to, sh- I mean, there's a lot of the headliners. Where do you want to start, Spencer? Shopify? I want to start with Crab Tines, actually. Okay, Crab So Tines, Crab okay. Tines uh, had a big after-hours seller. We found out uh, who it was, 3G Global, which is the firm that uh, sort of guided the merger between uh, Kraft Foods and Heinz back in the day. Uh, they sold 25 million shares last night. They sold them last night, or it was reported? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Reported last night. Okay. I misspoke. Filing released last <laughs> night that they sold 25 million shares. And also a director bought some shares too, right? How much did they? Uh, I, I don't think it was as significant as, significant. as, as the $25 million. Uh, I think, yeah. yeah, so not nearly as significant. It was way less the director bought. $25 I do million. have a position on KHC. I did buy it last night on this news. I do, I'm do. i just working it. I thought it got a little bit too low. I had the news. So I didn't buy it ahead of time. I knew what the news was. I just thought when it was down at buck, it was a little bit overdone. Still trying to work that, so I'll limit my comments from that. I'm, I'm trying to work out of that today, though. If you, look at, uh, if you look at uh, the 15-minute chart on mine, you see a bunch of bounces up here, uh, really to the where the, the whole thing emanated from, 29.62. But th- those, I think there was some odd lots involved with that. You have made a pre-market low at uh, 28.54, and you're just kind of inching your way up. This stock, to me, it's going to be all about this $29 level. Uh, series of lows there. I've um, closed at 29.62. Three lows right there at 29. So if the Bulls want to take control of this thing after its extended run, they got to get up here. They got to get to single over 29. They got to get 29 bid and maybe not get to that closing price of 29.62, but at least close above $29. So old support, new resistance here right now. And it's at 8.95. What's the market, Dennis? Uh, it's tight. This has been so, and, and you got to think about these pricings. The pricings matter on these things. I trade these things off the pricing. So I believe it's 2844. What, what was the pricing? I think it was 2840 or 2844. Uh, I had it in front of me. It was 2844. Yeah. So those often act as floors. So when you get down to 2870s, I feel like the risk reward starts to balance back. I mean, some things happen and sometimes they take out those floors. But, you know, I bought last night because I was like, well, we're not that far from that price. So, and the director also bought too. So, which, you know, could help, but it was a lot smaller than 3G. So 3G is getting the major headlines why it's down here this morning. But I'm just thinking it might bounce back a little bit here. So you're saying where they sold is, you look at that. Often acts as a floor of that price. I don't know why, Joel. And, you know, sometimes (laughs) in offerings, there's, you know, because that's where it's going to go. They've already sold. I'm I'm just, you know, I do a lot of quantitative stuff and a lot of times. Where they sell, 2044 connect as a floor. So you get down to the 2860s, 2870s, I feel like I've got some support down there probably near that price. 
So it starts the risk reward starts to balance as maybe I could take a scalp long here, you know, and then that's not saying it's going to, it's traded 161,000 shares going to trade a ton. It could take it out. Maybe it's the vote of confidence the other way. That's going to knock it down even more. I mean, that's why it's trained down, but we did have a director buy last night there too. So it's, it's, it's a balancing act. I have a very small position and it. it's a half size position. I'm just trying it for a scalp. Okay. saying that the 2844 can hold. We'll see. I've never heard you say that, you know, I mean, you've come up with a lot of different strategies, but I, I don't think I've ever had you. I trade all the offerings. So I trade every, I'm, I'm a news trader, guys. You know, really, when I analyze myself, I say I do, I, do I you know, I do that stuff too. I do a lot of different things, but I do a lot of news trading too. You know, when I see some, a rating change, I kind of get a feel for what it's worth, you know, and, you know, I know a Goldman rating on a certain stock might be worth three, 4%. If I can buy it up 1%, then, you know, I feel like I'm trying to extract the extra 2% off of it. So, you know, it all depends on the stock too. I mean, you know, if you get a downgrade on a major company, like a bank downgrade or a bank upgrade, those hardly move at all. But if it's, you know, just some random mid-cap stock, they can move 5 6 7%, especially if it's a stock in the gutter. So it's all just feel. It's all trade time and, you know, knowing what the news is worth. I call myself a news interpreter. So, I'm, you know, that's really what I try to specialize in is news interpretation. Okay, and what if Goldman... I stop if, the news, I try to take advantage of it. Okay, so you said for the Home Depot, this is not a trick question. So Home Depot, you figured down 1%. What if Goldman Sachs downgraded it? It, it, it depends if it's to neutral or sell, too. That matters. So Home Depot, go to the rating on Home Depot, Spencer. I forget who it is already. Guggenheim? Guggenheim. Neutral, though, right? Guggenheim to neutral. So and neutral isn't as bad. When you see sell... They whack the stuff. Uh, uh, if it was a sell, if, if, if Home Depot was downgraded to sell by like a Goldman Sachs today, it'd be down 3%, I, I would think. Okay. I would think that's worth 2 to 3%. Home Depot is thicker though. So you got to consider that too. It's not a stock like a smaller little stock. A, a 2 3% move on Home Depot is significant. So 1%, a downgrade to neutral, I feel like that's kind of fairly priced. You know, and, and your market effects in there too. And then you have, you know, there's other random news. I mean, we've got another hurricane form. We have other stuff going on there too, but. I mean, you know, I was long Home Depot just, I'm, I'm long Home Depot just because I thought the hurricane trade was coming here, maybe potentially. So obviously the downgrade doesn't help that, but we do have another hurricane forming. Do we not? I saw that crossing. I heard headline. one quickly. Would, I heard, no, uh, did you hear that? That the one all of a sudden? Um, last, last night they were talking about that one strengthening. Okay. So, um, oh, we're in, anyways, we're in hurricane season for another month here. So that's and I have a bias to be long Home Depot and Lowe's in this type of environment, especially when I see in the headline that hey, you know, we've got another potential hurricane coming. I was like, okay, I'll take a shot. Well, Guggenheim screwed that up for me this morning. <laughs> so we work it out, you know. But maybe tomorrow I'll be long Home Depot again. You know, it's a lot of times I get out of these things overnight. You know, I'm just trying to grab an overnight bias. Uh, maybe some people are going to be excited, you know, or, or and for, to buy Home Depot if they think another hurricane's coming. But you know, in the case of when stock is downgraded, I mean, that's all out the window. The downgrade is all that matters. That news trumps any potential hurricane news. Uh, before we go to uh, Shopify, just real quickly, Zach Brown's asking about this WTER. It's a lower price stock. I guess Kramer's platform has it as a buy. They acquired Aquahydrate. Which what is stock you talking? W T E R. We talked about this last week. I don't know if Dennis. I don't know if you're. I've Dennis never heard correct. of the stock before. You, you may not have been on the uh, stock. It's hard for me. I feel like Kramer has a universe of stocks that he you know, he'll come on every once in a while. I was like, I don't know that stock. I feel like my universe is even more because I'm trading so much. I trade so many stocks. I've never traded W T E R. I've never even heard of W T E R. So you have went off the grid on the one for the for this one. 
I've <laughs> never heard of the stock. Okay. That is rare. Okay. Uh, I say it had that big pop to 280. A lot of people got caught in it. And I'm just, this is where the whole move started from. Uh, 183 was a low, 187. You're trading here at 184. So if there's any buyers in this stock, they're going to emerge here today, right at this 180 level. I just going back up, there's a lot of people caught when it went to 280, it traded over 3 million. So if I just see it hold here at 180, because if not, you got a big drop here to 147. Now let's go to Shopify. All right. Well, we've been wondering if, if this was, was going to happen now for, for a few weeks. And, and now it has. Uh, Wait, why? Why were you wondering that? I wasn't wondering that. Well, here, if I pull up a daily, I mean. You, you I, thought I, they were going to have an offer? I, I'd assume at some point they would. Why? I know. I'm curious because I did not. I, maybe stock, I wasn't thinking about it. Stock, well, well, stock ribs higher. You, I mean, not that you think in. Hey, you, you just think there's a chance. No. Stock rips higher. You don't think maybe sometimes you have insiders selling, but this was a company offering. Okay. All right. Well, in any case, fine. Uh, so they're raising cash for something. Yeah. Uh, one uh, and, and, and we know Joel, you know, you're right, Spencer, you do see this. I mean, we see these instances happen. It's or with biotech. sell high, right? Yeah. yeah you, you sell high. Thank you very much. And you're right. We do see it with biotechs. I, I would have, not that I would have necessarily uh, put a, a good chance of this happening, but a greater than 0% chance. Certainly. Frankie K says shop has a history of offerings. I don't know about that. All right. 1.9 million share, right. 1.9 million uh, uh, class A share offering uh, at 300, $317 and 15 cents, 50 cents, 317.50 is your number on this offering. Again, these offering prices often act as floors. So I don't know what the low was after hours last night. Maybe Joel can go find that information, but I would think, there's going to be some potential buyers there at 317.50. We do sometimes see these things take out the offering price and trade lower, but they tend to bounce at those offering prices, especially stocks that are still got a story and are liked. So I would expect some support down there in 317.50, 318, 319. I'd expect you to start to find some support. Not surprisingly, it's bid 321 here, four points above that price. So that's you know where I, where I look there. Okay. Do we get any square news here? It just popped up to 59.54. I don't know if it was up there. 103,000 shares are traded. I like the square. I wish I, I was, tr I had it on my radar to buy it again yesterday there. And I didn't like, I have it in the, in the long-term portfolio, but I was going to rebuy the shares because I said yesterday on the show, I like that candle. I like yesterday's candle here too. I think square, I think square bottomed out. I, I think square is a buy on pullbacks. I, I would say I'm also strongly considering buying Square just for my long-term portfolio. Cause uh, I put in the retirement. I think there's got a lot of stuff. There, you know what? Dorsey is just smart. You are investing in Dorsey. And the Square valuation is not ridiculous. You know, there are some stocks that just the valuation just keeps me away like Roku. Square's valuation, yes, you know, you look at it on a current, but going forward and looking at those estimates going forward, and I was looking at some analyst estimates, there's some that, are, that, that stock's going to make a buck or two in a couple of years. And I mean, if you start thinking about Square at a PE of 35 or 40, that's cheap. So especially with the growth that they have. Square is not an expensive stock, in my opinion, you know, because we know I'm a GARP guy. Growth at a reasonable price. I feel like Square is growth at a reasonable price. I like Square. Okay. Uh, a lot of irons on the fire. This trading app, another wild card. I mean, the market has $25 billion, but they're going to start making some money. So, you know what? I don't. I kind of like Square. Yeah, they are making money. Yeah, well, there you go. Spinner saying 60 times. That yeah. seems, seems crazy, but they're growing. 
they're growing. It's not, it's not like these, you know, they don't have any road to profitability. Like, you know, like some of these stocks out there that you can't figure out how, when they're going to start making money. They're going to make money. And I think Square is cheap I, I, on, a, on a relative basis to some of the other. With, with the growth that they have, I think it's reasonable. Sean Emery. Paul's Sean, right Sean Emery has been on our show. Yes. He's super, That's super, super back, bullish Square. I like Sean Emery too. Get, we have to have Sean back. Thank you. Uh, Sean's a good Twitter follow, and I and he pops up on my feed every so often talking about Square. And every time I, I see a tweet of his, I get more and more convinced. <laughs> so he, okay. he's super bullish. I got Square. him on the list. Here. So I sold half my Square position, and I wanted to buy it back yesterday, and I did not. That was a mistake. Now I'm going to end up. I sold at 62. I think I need to rebuy it before wow. it gets to 62 or so. <laughs> so you know what? It's the it, it's also the Gil Morales kind of technical trade here too, Joel. Where you get the cut through low, undercut, yep, the undercut and rally, and that's what we kind of saw. It, you know, when it went down to the fifty-five ninety-one, that's kind of the undercut and rally. So now you're seeing some life, and you know, it was it's it was perceived. It, you you would think that that was good news, but they hit it, and they really shook everybody out of that on the trading app news, the potential trading app news, and it went down three bucks on that at one time and bounced right back. I think you know that square bottomed out. That's just my opinion. And I am long in the long-term portfolio. I don't have it on for a trade. And I don't intend to, you know, have it on for a swing trade here anytime soon. Maybe I do. Maybe I will buy, but I don't have it on yet, so I can talk about it. But um, the long-term, I'm holding, and I'm going to add to it. Okay. Very soon, if not today. Uh, just going back here, I know I just started a tangent there. Uh, we mentioned the offering price and shop in the 317 handle, right, Spencer? Yep, yep. Okay. So they knocked it down to 316.10, 316.21 on a couple brackets, and boom, it rebounded immediately. So there you go. You offer, they went a buck below it. Someone came in, used a little bit of common sense, and then they popped this thing up. So I don't expect that pre-market low to come into play here we'll we'll see but i'd use that 31610 pre-market low up to the op uh, offering price as uh as potential support in the issue for shopify so we were talking uh joel took us on a tangent back to shopify i forget where we were now we were on we were on shopify and then we went to square and then back to shopify so we, okay so we let's go okay so that's your price on shopify let's go I, back there is a lot of news here today, like random news here. Yeah. GLW warned last night. It's getting killed. Yeah. So the GLW the warning after the bell, they gave some guidance. It was not great. Uh, cut their display volume forecast uh, to a quarter over quarter decline of a high single digit percentage number. So I think seven, eight, nine percent. Uh, what else did they say? They uh, lowered or they reaffirmed their full year glass price guidance. And uh, what else did they cut here? Uh, just uh, negative comments about just upcoming quarters. And Dennis, within $5, what's the all-time high in Corning? Within $5 either way. Oh, you are throwing, I'm not looking at chart. I'm not cheating. It's a lot higher. It's back in the tech bubble. <laughs> yes. Within $5, 100, 100 bucks. Ah, uh, you were close. One hundred thirteen thirty-three. Oh, I fell out of the five. I'd be good trivia stuff too. Maybe I'm gonna write that one down for you guys sometime. Yeah, yeah are you doing that this week? Or are you gonna flake out again? Are you gonna do it on Friday? Uh, we're gonna do it Friday. I'm gonna get you some challenging ones, but I got to be fair to Spencer here too. So it's gonna be Spencer versus Joel. We're gonna figure out some good trivia for you. You guys got to teach me how to work that buzzer button though. 
All right. Uh, we will do that. You, you're good at computers. Uh, they knocked it down to 26.47. Really. You made a couple lows in that on the 15-minute chart between 7.15 and 7.30. And uh, so I like that. I like that as support. You've come off that area. Stock has had an extended run. Lower the move right there too, folks. 26.79. That was on September 3rd. So under 27 here, we're at 27.50. Let's see if buyers come in and defend it. You got a lot of people maybe caught short here too, uh, or people looking, you know, looking to blow this off and redeploy along. But uh, trading down in the pre-market, but off the pre-market lows. All right, let's go over to FedEx here. Uh, FDX, they had a headline yesterday that they are raising their prices. Uh, what was the number they gave? 4.9% is going to be the average price increase for U.S. domestic uh, shipping. Uh, they report tonight, right? They do report yeah, tonight. So, I mean, it's going to be, I think, an inside day here, perhaps. Uh, nice run up off the low every time you think it's dead, flat. Not a bad day yesterday. I just think it will trade, you know, within the range from yesterday ahead of the, you know, unless we have a huge move in the market. But uh, that's what I'm looking for. Dennis, you're, you're long FedEx long-term, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I have the long-term portfolio. I also have it on for a trade. So I'm somewhat loving my comments. Okay. You know how I like to buy stocks ahead of the reports. Okay. Hey. Today is probably the only interesting earnings day of the week. We get Chewy, FedEx, and Adobe after the bell. Uh, I had Chewy on overnight. I sold it already in the pre-market, though. So it's uh, right, a Is this their first report? Mm, no, second one, I think. Oh, not the first report. First one was a mess. I think it's the second one, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I remember the first one Actually, not doing well. Is it their first? I'm pretty sure it's the second one. Mm. I remember a report on Chewy. Okay. you're. I, I think right. I remember. Maybe I'm wrong. It hasn't been out there that long. Am I yeah. wrong? Mm. No, it's their first report. This is their this first. Is their first report. This is no, what do no, you say, no, Brad? no, no. This is their second report. I this thought is... they had the first report and the stock popped a yeah. little bit on it, and then they hit it. July, July nineteenth, uh, July eighteenth. Sorry, July eighteenth. Why are they reporting July eighteenth? This isn't three months later. Why are they reporting two months later now? I'm just saying. The math doesn't add up. They the IPO'd in June. They had an earnings report in July. It was their Q1 earnings report. July and then August and September. So they've only had two months of earnings on this know. one. It's messed hey, up. Stay Our here. earnings report was supposed to be every 90 days, not every 60 days. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, Dennis, just backtracking a bit. We got a question here about the pairs trading between FedEx and UPS. And I don't know. UPS just seems to be a lot stronger stock here than FedEx. It do the, Always lay, lower beta. Lower beta? Oh, yeah, it's got the dividend, right? So UPS is a nicer dividend, so you get some, you know, some yield traders in there. UPS always moves less than FedEx. So there is definitely correlation. I still pair these two stocks up, but I'll tell you, UPS always moves a little bit less than FedEx. I got on the betas in front of me here, but I just know from trading it. The FedEx is a little more wild. And, and um, you're right, UPS has had a really good run. I mean, this is a stock, UPS is one that, I've had FedEx for a long time in the long-term portfolio. Um, it, well, actually, if I go back, you know, my FedEx story in the long-term portfolio, I bought it at 90, and I sold it up, I think, around like 180, and it went ran to 260, and I regretted selling it, and it came all the way back down to 150, and I rebought it. <laughs> so I got my stock back. <laughs> That's why I rebought it. So I'm really, you know, my, my cost basis to look at my long-term portfolio, like 151, 
but I really just wanted my shares back that I originally bought at 90. So I really feel like I'm in from like 90 or even less because I made some money on that trade. So anyways, I'm in FedEx. UPS, I've wanted that one for a long time. Never bought it. Should have bought it in the 90s. It was a mistake. And now it's starting, obviously, it's come back up a long ways. But I don't know. If you're coming to these now, they've kind of had a run. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, the UPS, I mean, FedEx, I mean, like I said, they have the report, so it could go either way big as it usually does. And just look at short term here in the UPS, and it's just bunching up here near the high of the move. I really think we need to barrel through 123.63. Uh, that was your high back on the 12th. And then so I go to the monthlies here, and, you know, 125, I mean, this is like a big, Big trading range in this. You did have the spike high to begin at 18, uh, but this uh, this one uh, this 125 area, 123, 125, more looks more like a sell zone to me than a buy zone. All right, let's move on it's here. Uh, seven minutes before we're going to bring on our guest today. Can we talk about? Uh, the Fed meeting here a little bit, uh, or at least yeah. actually heading into it. So we looked last week at the uh, CME Fed Watch tool, which is based on the Fed Fund futures, and it said like 89% chance rate cut. I looked this morning, and that chance of a rate cut down to 68%. So now a 68% uh, chance of a cut, 32% chance of, uh, about of uh, staying put tomorrow which is a big change considering I looked like three days ago. So whether that's because of oil yesterday or the continued weakness in China, I'm not really sure what you can attribute that to, but I was very surprised to see the dramatic change in the Fed fund futures like that. So I don't know what that means for tomorrow or today, but I just- well, it means we have some uncertainty. I thought that was very notable. Oh, of course we got certain. So, you know, when it's 90, whatever it was before, everybody's pretty certain they're going to go. Now they're not as certain they're going to go. So this is obviously going to affect the banks more than anything else. I mean, keep an eye, obviously TLT is rallying here this morning. So you're going to see the banks slightly, relatively weaker here, but the TLT rally is starting to fade as well. I mean, this is, this is the bank trade. It has been for, for a long time now. You really watch the interest rates. That's what moves the most. It moves all stocks but nothing more than the banks. The banks obviously, you know, don't want to continue to see rates go lower. So if we get a surprise no cut, it's going to be probably be good for the banks. I mean, the banks have had a pretty good run here um, already into it. So I guess you've got to consider that as well. It's also going to matter the tone going forward. So if they do cut, what's the next tone? But you know what? I, I wish they wouldn't cut. You know, I, I, I hope they don't cut. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I still don't understand it. And, you know, we've had a few people come on and talk about, obviously, interest rates. I can't understand when the markets are near all-time highs. Economy seems to be going pretty good. We get pretty good economic numbers that were in full-on cut mode. I always would think, you know, keep more bullets in the chamber for a rainy day. Like, why are you cutting now? Why not cut when you need it? I don't feel like you need it, but they keep citing the global economy and any negative interest rates around the world, and I guess we're playing catch-up a bit, but I don't get it. I don't get why we need to cut. I, I, uh, I agree. I agree with you on that, but uh, the Fed will do what the Fed will do. Um, if you think about the oil move yesterday, and that it, you know, maybe I kind of thought that would be like, oh, it's going to be – tougher on the economy with higher oil prices so we need lower rates but then i guess the flip side is is that if oil which is a component of inflation and you know so higher oil 
may lead to higher inflation. So you don't want to be lowering interest rates in the higher and the higher inflationary environment. If that makes any sense, please put a one in the chat there. But uh, I I don't know. I I still think they're going to go. I don't know if Powell has the has the chutzpah to you know not do it because he'll get berated by uh, by Trump on it. But uh, there's volatile days coming up here. It doesn't look like today's going to be that uh, that volatile session. But very interesting there that it's come down. Uh, that much from uh, down to 68%. So we'll see. I guess a half is off the table. I think you're right too about the uh, about the tone. A lot of it's the tone moving forward. I think so. Yep. 8:32. We are getting some selling pressure here in the S&P. We dropped five points since we started the show. So we have. Let's go look at imbalances. I mean, imbalances now come out early. They changed it a month ago. Now they just kind of come out whenever, it seems like. Um, but if I look right now at this moment in time, we are seeing a few sell imbalances. We are seeing banks relatively weak. We just talked about the TLT being stronger. Goldman Sachs is trained down a buck here in the pre-market. Bank of America, 124,000 shares to sell. It's down 0.6%. Citigroup's trained down 0.69%. These banks all move very closely together. Um, GE, which has uh, just always got an eternal sell imbalance, it seems like. 245,000 shares to sell this morning. It's been there for, I feel like, five years every morning. It's when the craziest um, the institutional trader just keeps dumping. Uh, Morgan Stanley, 39,000 to sell. Another bank weakness. Other than that, though, like really when I look at my screen, I see some bank weakness. I see some China weakness. So, you know, like Alibaba's down two bucks here. EEM, if you're looking at that, trained down 0.91%. FXI is trained down 1.1%. So, seeing weakness, obviously, from overnight in China. But really, otherwise, I'm only really seeing the bank stand out as a sore thumb here this morning. I mean, everything is down slightly, but not significantly. Uh, all right. I'll give you some numbers here for the S&Ps. I kind of glossed over them on the open. Uh, you have the interday low, which is your low between 9.30 and 4.15 at 93 and a quarter. We haven't even hit that yet, but we are trading at the lows of the session. Uh, yesterday's true low that was made Sunday night at 83.50. Your four-day low at 73.50. Uh, but uh, we'll see if we hit those levels. It's 8.34. Spencer, who do we have coming on today? Today's guest, who I'll bring on in just a second here, Steve Sears, a longtime Barron's columnist, author of The Indomitable Investor, Why a Few Succeed in the Stock Market When Everyone Else Fails. I will bring Steve Sears on now. Uh, Steve Sears, good morning. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. How's it going? Steve, can you hear good me? Good morning. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Do I sound Okay. You sound a-okay, a-okay. So, Steve, uh, last few weeks here, uh, market's been interesting. We had a big move in oil yesterday, and you've been, uh, you know, recapping the market here for Barron's. Uh, give us a high-level view of your reaction to the over the weekend developments in oil and just where we stand heading into tomorrow's FOMC announcement. Well, I think the market remains very much in the event-driven trading mode. If you uh, were to survey traders at desks and funds and various institutions, you'll find very few people uh, have a true idea of what's going on, at least with any conviction. And so they respond to uh, to events, which some may say are flipping a it's like flipping a coin. You've got a 50-50 chance of being right. As for oil, just last week there was a conversation going on around the street about what could happen that might derail. Um, the markets, because despite 
the trade war, despite the Fed rate cut, despite Brexit, and all these other risk factors that we can that we could list ad nauseum, stocks are actually trading fairly well and, and near a high. And I can tell you, not one person said that uh, weaponized drones would attack an oil field in Saudi Arabia and, and, and cause oil to spike. So you wrote a, a column, uh, your, your weekend column was about small caps. Uh, we haven't really talked about on this show in a while, just the, the divergence uh, or convergence of small caps versus large caps and, and, and who has sort of left there. But talk about what small caps have done and what, you, what you've observed. Well, we, we, we discussed the small cap stocks basically as the Fortress America uh, thesis. We, we mentioned it months ago, and we've encouraged people to keep an eye on it. We thought that might be an indicator as to how the U.S. stock market uh, evolved. If there was great sort of confidence, you might see small caps leading the way. Of course, they haven't done that. Now, what has happened is the biggest news, I think, of last, of last week, and this, and this basically wiped out many hedge funds' uh, year-to-date gains, is there's a very sharp rotation out of the growth names. And you know all the typical stocks, you know, Facebook, uh, Goog, Apple, uh, Netflix, even Amazon, into the so-called value stocks. And what we wrote about is this thesis being advanced by, by UBS that their clients and many other hedge funds are buying IWM as a relatively inexpensive options play, and, and this is key, on the rotation. And if there is a return to sort of to growthy names and which could be triggered by a Fed rate cut, uh, which could be announced tomorrow, uh, cessation of the trade war, et cetera, the small cap stocks could get a bit higher. Now, why would you go with options on IWM versus SPX? Because the upside calls on IWM are a lot less expensive. And that's, that's the basic thesis. Over the weekend, uh, you talked about uh, Bank America here and yep. uh, Falling interest rate, I mean, we don't really know what interest, I guess we're in falling interest rates. Everyone wants interest rates to go lower here, but uh, you looked at Bank America, been, you know, in a trading range for quite some time here. Uh, where, where's the, what's the catalyst for this stock to go higher? Well, I think probably the, the biggest catalyst might be some efficiencies at the end at the company. It might be related to an increased buyback or an increased dividend. As, as you know, one of the these, one of the points that I like to make about options, I like to use the strategy that I call a time arbitrage strategy. I like to take advantage of short-term uh, dislocations or short-term volatility in order to buy stocks that I think have long-term merit. Uh-huh. And so my trade in Bank of America is largely that. If you're looking for a pop for this week or next week, that's a little bit different. But if you want to take advantage of pumped up uh, puts, which many people like to do, you sell them, right? Because everybody's talking about what happens to the financial sector if rates, if rates go down. Well, I think there's going to be a lot of things that happen within the banking sector that are going to surprise people. All right. Uh, let's just uh, move on to, uh, uh, we did talk about the oil market here. Uh, precious metals, we all know how they like to trend. Uh, just a monster rally, a little bit of a pullback here. Uh, give us your, your thoughts on uh, gold and silver. I mean, 
I think gold, silver is basically a poor man's gold and gold is basically the feel good asset in times of duress. I think that you sort of watch it and it's like uh, sitting at the, uh, on the trading desk and, and taking your blood pressure. When, th- when things go sideways or the wheels are coming off the bus, everybody wants to own gold. And people have finally realized that silver, which is of course an industrial metal, uh, offers a little bit of zing too. I, I think you own gold largely because because of sentiment and your own gold, because if they cut rates here and things go down lower, people will look for a store of value. And what, and we can debate whether or not gold truly is a store of value, but it's a fact that everybody's going to buy it. What about the argument here with the crypto trade that they're saying gold is not going to be the store of value in the future. It's going to be crypto. I mean, Bitcoin has held up fairly well. I mean, in the last few months, it's just kind of basing here again, almost feels like it's basing to go higher here again. Obviously a lot of the other crypto is underperformed. What are your thoughts here on digital gold? I think that uh, digital gold is whatever you want it to be. And that some very clever people have, advanced a theme that's gained some traction that Bitcoin is like gold, but it's digital. You tell me, I still can't figure out how to price Bitcoin. I think it's a sentiment play. So if you tell me how to price it, then I'd have a sharper view. But, but for now, I, I think this is just the, uh, the fumes of the market. I mean, it's just, and, and you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, I, I've, you know, given the same argument here, and this is why I don't own Bitcoin. I, you know, I can look at it technically, and it looks technically like it's basing and ready to go. But when you look from a fundamental basis, there's nothing to value. I mean, it's, it's numbers sitting on a screen. I, I think mean, in a lot of ways, Bitcoin's, you know, what's said about China, U.S. companies in China can be said about Bitcoin. I don't know anybody who's making money in China. It's a U.S. company. And, and I hear about some, some small victories in Bitcoin, but in general, you know, there are one or two big shops in Chicago that are trading Bitcoin like you can't believe. And they were also trading Eastern Europe. Why, why would people be in Eastern Europe? Because the spreads were so wide and the markets were so wild. You're basically trading against uh, very unsophisticated guys. And I think there's probably some of that in Bitcoin. And as I said that, I realized that I'm going to expose myself to nasty grams and hate mail, huh. but I think that's the fact. Bring it back to the equity markets, and you talked about the rotation earlier from um, you know some of the higher tech names. What about looking at the names that they were rotating into? And we saw bids get uh, in the last little while a lot of value stocks, a lot of stocks that had been beaten down, lower P stocks like the retail stocks. Even before we had the oil issue here over the weekend, oil stocks were starting to show some life just because they were beaten down. Do you think that is a trend that can continue? Is this turning into this value-oriented market, or is it going to be like the Roku's and the Shopify's are just going to catch a bit here once again? You know, once the dust settles. What are your thoughts here on this rotation from growth to value? I think the rotation from growth to value is very much um, in progress. I think one of the key facts over the past two weeks is that if you have certain bonds, you're up thirty percent year to date, and I think that one fund or two funds that everybody watches and follows decided to take profits on, uh, on bonds and started looking for stuff that was beat up. Because if you're managing other people's money or even you're managing your own, you can't constantly just be a disciple of the greater fool theory that that which has gone up, you know, X percent over SPX is going to keep rising. So I think it was profit taking. I'm not convinced that it is a permanent um, change in, in the markets. 
I think that if the Fed cuts rates, and we can debate if it's 25 bips, 50 bips or more, that people are going to want to get out on the risk spectrum and you're going to see money all over the place. I don't think growth is dead. Value is certainly alive, but we'll see for how long. Uh, Steve, uh, just going back to something you said, you said the financials will surprise people. Can you elaborate on that question from our chat? Well, I think people are doing sort of single, single point analysis of, of the financials. If rates go down, then people say that that's bad for the for the uh, that that's bad for the uh, for the banks. I think that what we're going to see is a sort of a differentiation or delineation of the ways that these banks make money. For example, Goldman Sachs just launched the Apple credit card. Um, you're seeing a variety of different products and demographic. Uh, plays by the banks as people are, are retiring. And I think you're going to see a separation of the rock stars from the groupies. I think you're going to find certain banks are going to be more involved in yield enhancement plays. And so they're going to find ways if money is cheap for them and it's always cheaper for them than it is for anybody else to make higher sort of leveraged returns. I think if you were to play the cycle and play it long term, that you're going to be happy. Let's move on to the IPO market here. And, uh, you know, people can say, oh, you know, symptomatic of a top in the market, you know, all these stocks coming. I know they, a lot of them don't trade options for, you know, a couple of weeks after here. Uh, but have you been, uh, have you been surveying this uh, IPO market at all? Live? Yeah, a hundred, a hundred percent. Okay. You know, I used to be the IPO reporter for the journal some years ago. I was with a company that went public on the New York stock exchange and, I have a pretty good understanding of how the funds use IPOs. Basically what they represent is alpha. Okay. Everybody knows the pricing games that are played with an IPO. It doesn't really matter. You could take a, uh, you know, doglunch.com public. If they think pop 30 points on opening day, who cares? That's the trade. So I've been saying for a while now that I think WeWorks is sort of the leading indi sentiment indicator of the market. That's probably the biggest, hottest IPO out there. Last year, nobody would have cared what this uh, CEO did to reward himself or what type of uh, inside deals he made with himself where he was selling X to the company and getting paid you know, multiple Y. I think that the IPO market, the fact that that deal is being tabled goes to show you that the focus now in the investment community is a lot more uh, stringent than it has been in the past. And if you're gonna come public in this type of market, you're going to have to be sort of as, uh, you know, clean and, uh, and pristine and actually sort of have a business. I mean, this valuation on WeWork, I was just looking and I, I don't follow it closely. So you might know more than me, Steve, but, um, you know, I, I've seen my Twitter account. Somebody was saying that the valuation at one time in the private markets was as much as 47 billion. And now they they were talking about an IPO near 10. So what happened? I think that in the, in the private equity markets, or the venture tech, or the venture uh, fund uh, community, you own so many different things and you throw so much money at so many so many different ideas. Some of them mature, and some of them, and you take profits, and others become losses that you use to to lean against your capital gains. I think that the sentiment on WeWorks is 
has, 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 uh, has turned against it. So no, there's nobody gonna, who's going to award it that type of a multiple. There's too much fat in it. You know, I was with a guy for dinner about a month ago, and he was, and he was trying to pitch something called a WeWorks for Cannabis. Honest to God. Same, sort of the same business model. You think that thing's gotten off the, uh, off the ground? It hasn't. Uh, Steve, is that a vote of confidence to you that the uh, WeWorks S1 has been eviscerated the way it has? Does that make you feel more confident in this IPO market or that it's like less frothy? No. I mean, that by nature, the IPO market is always frothy. It might just have less of, it, less of an, sort of an insane tilt towards it. Well, that's um, good. That's good, right? There has, be, there has to be froth in it. No, I think it goes to show you that the people – look, imagine that you're, that you're running a fund or a book and – the bankers come around and they want to give you, they want to give you placement. And I think people are looking at the broad market, everything that's trading. They're looking at their own books, how much risk they're willing to take and whether or not they think the stock is going to be a, a roach motel, because why do these things go crazy in the, uh, in the markets? A variety of reasons. The least of, uh, of, 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 uh, of the reasons is that the banks support them. So I think it shows you there's a lot of tension in the market. And this gets back to what I said at the beginning. This is event-driven, and people are looking at the events in very significant ways and looking, where, looking to see where they can extract the most value for the least amount of risk. Uh, just two things before I let you go. One here, and I've, I've been eyeballing this for a while. Uh, how about these Chinese stocks? I don't know if you want to go individual. You know, uh, I love them. You know, okay. I love them. I, I mean, because you got to figure there's going to be a deal. I mean, right now with the oil and the Fed, you know, Trump's a little bit out of the spotlight here. But, I mean, you just got to look at some of these stocks. They're so beaten up. Give us your take here on uh, the China play. I think, look, I've been very bullish on China and been involved in those markets since the Tiananmen Square days. When some of the student leaders told me that the middle-level bureaucrats for, for Deng Xiaoping back in the day had very westernized ideas about the economy. You're seeing that come forward. The China stuff is, is largely misunderstood because people think A, that it's a corrupt market or B, you have no really governance control. I think that misses the key thesis about China, which is the rise of the middle class as a great economic phenomenon. So I did a piece, I don't know, within the past month and recommended Pinduo Duo um, recommended uh, Weibo and recommended like uh, uh, their version of, of Netflix ticker symbols IQ. They've all done great. I've been bullish on Baba ever since the thing came out. And every single time that something happens and they say, oh, they're going to throw everybody from, ba from Alibaba in, in prison. I've always come out and said, fade it and buy, 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 buy. I think that the stocks are pretty amazing. They're very high volatile, a lot of volatility. There's more risk than say buying um, you know, one of our blue, a boring blue chip here, but I think you've got to be in China. And I think it's one of the most exciting investment, uh, uh, plays in the world. Very interesting. Uh, before I let you go, um, our listeners, our audience, um, always like to hear stories, uh, from people that were on the floor. Uh, you were on the floor during, uh, 9-11. I just wondered if you had any particular take or from the floor from that period or if there's a floor story that's kind of shaped your investment mantra. Well, when I was a kid um, and trying to learn about this, one of the older guys said to me, um, 
we were going through all, all the options pricing and he said, he goes, look, kid, he goes, bad traders think of ways to make money and good traders think of ways to not lose money. And, you know, I, I've called that the good investment rule. That was basically, I wrote my book around, around that. And I think once you sort of understand that, it changes absolutely everything um, in how you approach the, the market. And I personally haven't had really had a bad year um, since I internalized that, uh, that rule. All right, Steve Sirius has been out with us. He's a longtime Barron's columnist, also the author of the book, The Indomitable Investor, Why If You Succeed in the Stock Market When Everyone Else Fails. Steve, thanks for the time today. Thanks, guys. Always enjoy it. Yeah, All Steve, right. that was great. Thank you very much. All right, 8.52 here. Joel, what what I miss? I just want to say he had to hit the nail on the head with that I comment, knew. though. Go ahead, that, that comment that Steve just gave, that's your money comment right there. I mean, I say it too. It's exactly how I approach the market. I try to put myself into trades where I can control the risk very well. I mean, yeah, you know, sometimes when I'm doing nerves interpretation, it can get wild and stuff, and maybe those don't turn around. But I'm always thinking every single trade about my loss. What am I going to lose, you know? And I'm looking at it from that perspective. Where is my out? I never enter a trade without first determining, okay, if it gets to this point, that's where I'm going to get out. That is what separates a winning trader from a losing trader. It's not about how much money you make on your winning trades. It's about how much money you don't lose on your losing trades. So limiting those losers and managing that risk, it's all about discipline. Jeremy Newsome, that's why he's an excellent trader, because he manages that risk so well. It's all that matters. All right, we're saving the tickers here uh, for, we're going to do a little ticker time today. I got to find my sheet where I'm writing down all the tickers, but uh, we will get to those at uh, nine o'clock. We got some ratings and we've discussed a couple of them, but there are a number of other ones worth discussing here. Snapchat getting upgraded this morning from Susquehanna uh, to neutral and raising their price target from 12 to $18. Just sold it. I had it overnight, so I, I was complaining about the Home Depot, but I actually had this one overnight, which was working in my favor. Um, uh, it's up 1.7%. That's why I feel like it's worth. That's why I sold it. Ah, oh, what a beautiful! Did they actually fill the gap here? Let me take a look. 14.93. It's held yeah. up. Yeah. I mean, here's a stock that has no multiple at all, because you know when we were talking about all the high multiple stuff getting hit. This stock really did not get hit. Maybe because it didn't run up like the Roku's and stuff. But I mean, here's a company that you know is even close to making money or even figuring out how to make money. Yet the stock continues to hold up. So I mean, from a relative strength perspective, you kind of gotta like that. So if you know if you're looking at it and saying, yeah, "Wow, this is gonna eventually start to sell off because you know they've been selling the the high multiple stuff or the stocks that don't make money." I mean, it didn't get sold off in the Roku, Shopify, you know, slash, you know, cloud sell-off that we really saw. So that's telling you that, hey, maybe it wants to go higher. So relative strength, excellent snap, considering all that. Uh, filled the gap. I believe that was an earnings gap but back in the 14 handle. That's history. Now trading up 27 cents at 16.03. So I got a little excited on the initial uh, headline, took it up to 16.35. Uh, my areas of interest will be here first, clearing 1613. Uh, that was your high for Friday. Uh, the more important resistance to me, I look for at least two uh, highs in the same area before I call it significant. If you're really looking for a good target today, 
1663, 1664, those were the September 6th and 9th highs. Nice double top in this area. And, and don't quote me on this, but this stock seems to move pretty good with ratings changes. You know, meaning if it gets downgraded, oh, yeah. it goes down. Yep. Am I correct on that, Dennis? You're correct, 100%. Snap moves. It's yeah. a mover. Yep. I, I yep. completely agree, Joel. Okay. So not, not really looking to fade this one today. Of course, circumstances can change, keeping an eye on the opening print. Big upgrade this morning to Splunk at JP Morgan, upgrading them to overweight and Move. announcing a $130 price target on SPLK. Stock's been in the gutter, so it's giving a vote of confidence from one of your majors here this morning. That is yeah. why it is up significantly here. I would think that is worth a minimum of 2 to 3%. It's right worth pricing. 2.5%. These guys are good. Um, it's a stock that obviously was one of the first ones to sell off. You know, they disappointed back uh, when they reported earnings. I believe I'm looking at the chart was early August. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it kind of continued to leak ever since, but found support where it was in June. Okay. So, you know, and now getting a little bit of life here. If you look at the other cloud stocks, some of them have turned around and started to rally recently as well after being sold off pretty significantly. I mean, Twilio is still kind of in the gutter, TWLO, but, you know, Splunk here has kind of showed like it wants to try to bottom the same area in June. So showing a little bit of life. It did. Going to the monthlies there, your June lows, 07.89. You hit 07.16 and just kind of not really a, a round. Yeah, a little bit of a rounding bottom. Maybe if you're a super bullish person, you could find a kind of lopsided head and shoulders there. Uh, trading up in the pre-market. Someone got excited, took this to 119 even. Uh, if you want another target above that, 119.78, call it 120. That was your August 26th high. Have it closed over 120. Uh, you had a 128.46 uh, close back on uh, August 21st. And if you're like super uber bullish this and you want to stick in it for a long time, you can look at uh, that all-time high of 142.06. Took it down to 107.30. 35 point move at 1707. I mean, this is just a, you know, one, uh, wait, what did I say? No, that's not right. I did do my math right. 42 minus seven is 35 divided by two is 17, 17 and eight is 25. So 125 and you had a high right in that area that marks the 50% retracement. So if you're looking for a little bit more than, you know, 120 and change in this one on Splunk. All right, I'm still scrambling around looking for a headline in Square. And if somebody's got to tweet it at me or let me know here, because um, obviously, I'm just looking here. Let me ask about trades. I mean, it, it got a fast money pump yesterday, but that 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 wouldn't move it this morning. I I also have looked, although not in the past. 10 I see multiple. I see a Wedbush note is out there, but the Wedbush note almost looked bearish. So there was a Wedbush. There was no rating change, but Wedbush just had some commentary on Square. And that almost looked bearish. I also see a Seeking Alpha article. I was just like, like looking through Twitter trying to find it because the news feeds aren't there. That's Somebody wrote a Seeking Alpha, 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 <laughs> Seeking Alpha article. Product innovation is dead. That doesn't sound very <laughs> bullish either. But, I mean, I look at this. I said yesterday I like Square here. I mean, it's trading up a buck here in the pre-market right now. Um, I'm, I'm not quite sure. So the, the this highlight to go higher. The highlight from this Wedbush note is that uh, their investments may drive, and I'm reading from Seeking Alpha here, uh, quote noisy unquote earnings. Right. So uh, the management is hinting at investments, and the transition may be noisy and weigh on revenue growth. 
uh, they've, they're maintaining their neutral rating and their price target is still $75. So I'm not really sure why it would react to 1%, move 1% higher in reaction to this note. It doesn't seem yeah, that's the only major note I see out there. If somebody else has something, let us know. Maybe somebody said something somewhere. I mean, you know, it's so many things going on all the time, especially when you're doing the live show. It's hard to, you know, always find the news just on the fly here. But with it trading up over a dollar in the pre-market, you got to think somebody said something somewhere. Showing a lot of life. Square has been showing life here for three days here now. I like Square. Dennis, uh, your long-term perspective on Canadian cannabis stocks. Now, I've given this uh, uh, a lot here in the last couple of weeks, and I said I think on the show again yesterday, I think they're all sales. Uh, I won't even sugarcoat it. I'm, I'm, I, I don't like any of them. I think the valuations are all ridiculous, and I think that the story is broken. Uh, I, I, mean, I want nothing to do with any of it. If I was had to buy one, maybe CGC canopy growth because you know what the chart doesn't look as bad on that one but you look at afria's got its own problems which obviously um were highlighted there what was a hindenburg research or who was yep. the yes. one that was holding it all was, that out it was hindenburg yeah so you know that's a no touch for me because i don't know what is true there and what is not they highlighted a lot of shady things there obviously they have new management you know so maybe they're cleaning it up still the valuation is a major issue there because you know what is it two billion dollars or whatever it's worth and, you know, they got a bunch of greenhouses full of marijuana plants. I just don't see how it's worth that. Kronos uh, has not really, the only thing going for them is that they have not really, you know, a lot of these things look like they've stopped going down at least. So if I was to go long, and I'm not saying I am, I'm saying if I was, I would be like the Kronos maybe, and you stop out at the low of the move. So if you wanted to set up a trade, I mean, you can always put on any trade as long as you know where you're out is. I would not want to own Kronos if it took out the 1058 low. Again, I think long-term, I think if you're putting these in your long-term portfolio and putting them away for five years, I think it will, you will regret it. I think they will be lower. Um, I think they're trending down. I think the valuations don't make any sense. And I think there's going to be so much competition coming. That being said, some of these stocks have really been beat up. So maybe get a little bit of a short squeeze on a few of them. Maybe they show a light for a few days. CGC kind of looks, technically, CGC kind of looks good. So that's the only thing going for it. But fundamentally, I don't like any of these companies. Yeah, the only one I own is, uh, and it's been a pig, um, this Alcana, Inc., L-Q-S-I-F. Uh, it's supposed to be like the where they buy the, the cannabis. Yeah, and, uh, they've all been pigs. And I will maintain that the only way I would play this sector is by owning the MJ, to own the ETF and call it a day. But that's yeah, but if, yeah, but if you think the whole sector is garbage, well, which yeah. well, from a valuation perspective – they're real companies. They make some money. So, but the valuations are all ridiculous. Yeah, I wouldn't. Now you just buy everything that's ridiculous. I, I wouldn't buy the ETF if I thought the whole sector was garbage. <laughs> I'm saying if you want to play it, if you don't think yeah, it's garbage, you get rid of all the little individual. You yes, know. you get rid of that individual risk and diversify yourself. All it's right, beat uh, up. Maybe it shows some life again, but I think there's better stories out there for my money. I want no part of any of these marijuana stocks. The only one is v Village Farms too um vff that one's a little interesting as well um it's been holding up better than the other ones although yesterday had a terrible tape uh i haven't been trading these things lately so i don't know what happened to vff yesterday but that one was holding up better so all of these uh, things though look broken to me what, what's the, the one that, that, broken. that sean liked that uh that got pyx pyx uh he but he was giving us that around 17 18 that's 15 so it hasn't been good either it has Sorry, been. sean all right, Dennis, uh, we're going to let you go here at 9.03. We kept you overtime. No, we're not paying you overtime. And uh, we're going to stay <laughs> for a few minutes. 
and we are going to do some ticker time, and we are going to do some tickers. Uh, besides from uh, Zach Brown here, he has been uh, putting a lot of tickers in. Uh, Spencer, I'm just going to try and do these technically. Go for so it. If there's any kind of news, um, please let me know. Sure. Uh, I see Twilio popped up here. The stock has been beaten up, is showing signs of life here up 85 cents. I'm not sure if that's an odd lot or not. I'm just going to go with a daily perspective on these because I don't want to you know, get too caught up in the pre-market trading. But uh, you had that 107 low and uh, nothing really in that area on the monthlies. But if you want to try it from alongside here, it's got a lot to go on a retracement. Uh, you can lean on that 107 low. Maybe give yourself a little bit more on that. Um, on the upside here, I don't see the shorts really getting nervous on this one until you clear 115.99. That was your September 10th high. Opens up pretty good here, but uh, trying to get out of here, trying to get away from this bottom. So also on a decline, I think you find buyers here at a 107. So it takes care of Twilio. Uh, Matt Diamond mentioned one of my favorite trading patterns, the sitting on a cliff pattern. Let's see if Starbucks, Starbucks does fall into that category. Uh, I know they warned and then they came back and then they got hit again, but I have to agree with you on this one here. Only trading up 13 cents at 89.55. Uh, you had the low at 89.30, 89.40. So you're, you're at the lows of the recent decline and you're not bouncing off it. So the longer you stay at these levels, the more that I'm looking for a little bit of down move. So I, I agree with you on that one. Uh, 89.17, I'm not even going to give you that right in that area. So getting it, getting under the, uh, the low of the move and closing under the low of the move, I do agree with you on that one. Um, let's go here. Uh, USO, I mean, we'll just, I'm just talking crude here. And 62.59 is your current high. I think it's really important for crude to take out that high from yesterday. I've said this a few times already. That was 63.38. Now, we did get news that it was going to take longer than expected to get things back online over to Ramco. So you think that it would be up on that, right? So when stock's not going up or a future or whatever on what you think bad news, little bit skeptical here. So um, keep keep a real important eye on uh, that high from yesterday. Um, Shake Shack, and I've been doing battle with this one, and I have been losing. Uh, Dennis did point out to me where I was flying. Oh, is it trading down now? This thing, you got to pay absolutely no attention to the pre-market trading. I just I was looking at this as like a high PE stock and, you know, a lot of the high PE stocks, but – Dennis pointed out to me on the pre-pre-market show that it's a not a high P.E. tech stock. So I guess a lot of people are still eating their burgers. Uh, I'm just going to sit tight on this one. I'm going to see what happens if and when it can ever breach this $99 level. Trio of lows right there. Let's just call it 99. So not not getting back in on the short side until Pierce is 99. Kind of wearing me out on this one. Uh, people have asked about APPS and uh, trading up three cents today, Digital Turbine Inc. I know absolutely nothing about it, but it looks like if it could clear $7, you got a pesky seller here. One, two, one, two, three, four, four, five sessions, just right here, 675, you know, highs up to 692. 
I think clearing seven bucks is important for this one. Uh, not a not a huge mover. Uh, Daily Swinger wants to look at lift. L Y F T. Got some. Was that upgrade yesterday or was that Friday? Yeah, that was. Oh. Yeah, I think it yesterday. was yesterday. Uh, had a nice run, traded up thirty-one cents. Uh, your high from yesterday, forty-nine even. Your high from a few days ago, forty-nine fifteen. Another high at forty-eight ninety-five. Let's just call. 49, a major obstacle for lift in order to move higher above 49. Things look a little bit uh, better, leaning on the low of the move here. 43.41, that's five bucks away. If you're looking at lift, you got to look at Uber. Uber had a nice day yesterday. Mm. Can't get super bullish on this stock until you take out 36. I see uh, three highs surrounding 36 from the middle of August, so we'll keep an eye on 36. Uh, Mr. Maps asking about Mohawk MHK. <sighs> it's trying to recover here. Um, looking, looking on. The, I'll just look on the upside because I know most of you guys pay stuff on the long side. Man, oh man, what do you got here? One now those highs are not exactly that close here. I see one twenty-five seventy-six and one twenty-six seventy-nine, and then you fall off the close near the lows. I'd say. Hoping you can hold 121 in order to, you know, prevent yourself from going back to the low of the move and can't get real bullish into it until it really clears 130. Uh, if you're looking to buy this thing on a pullback, you feel like you missed it, 109 uh, to 129, 20-point move. So buy, you know, 119, 120 if you're looking to buy the uh, that 50% retracement. Uh, Adobe, can't say much about Adobe because they uh, report after the close, trading up a buck oh seven. So you kind of get a little people buying ahead of the report. Uh, nice bar yesterday. Looks like you could get some continuation. Uh, no identifiable resistance until 286.93. But once again, this reports after the close. Um, Joe Dagger asking about General Motors. I mean, how can you get super excited about that stock until the strike is settled? Um, also, with the oil, the higher um, higher prices will reflect in gas prices. So, I don't know. I can't get too excited about this one until at least they come to some resolution. I hear they lose $50 million a day on this strike. I don't for, know. Uh, GM? No, it's for... Since the strike? Because of the strike? I thought it was, was four hundred. No, four hundred million a day. Did I? Or maybe it's forty. Did I misread I that? I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's just hard to get excited about the stock where you know they're on strike and uh, losing money right. every day. Um, Earl Crosby asking about Mickey D's. I know that got pounded. Had that big red bar. Tried a little reprieve here, but uh, that failed miserably. Just kind of the rotation. They were taking some money off of these fly. I noticed PGs pulled back too. Uh, let's see what happens in Mickey D's. Uh, you had a pair of lows at, uh, through, well, you had three lows at 206 back in June. And then what did you hit the other day? Uh, boy, 207.33. So I don't know. I try and hang in this one to breach a 206 here. It could trigger prices, uh, closer to 200, but you know, maybe you have, you know, you had the two day big drop and then the pop. Maybe today you have, after the two-day shellacking, you get a little pop. Uh, maybe yesterday's high comes into play, 209. It's $5,200 million a day. 
uh, thank, really? 5,200. Thanks, thanks to Renato over here. But Renato? $5,200 million a day is what it could cost them. Okay. Uh, for Michael Messino, it looks like. Uh, KLAC, KLA 10 core. That's a chip stock, right? Yep. Yep. Oh, that's one strong chip stock. Uh, is that all time highs? I don't want to speak. Yeah. I mean, this thing's been a rocket ship. Uh, if you're long, you want to see it take out uh, 155.33. That's your all time high. And another good number for you to keep an eye on for you longer term investors. Uh, 151.19, that was your all-time closing high. That was made in yesterday's session. You want to see, keep it improving on that uh, all-time closing high for KLAC, uh, for Ronnie, CVE. Uh, big old day yesterday, kind of flat today. Don't know what the news is. Synovus Energy. So maybe they have something to do with oil. I don't know. Energy. So I'd say as long as oil is holding up here, that's good trade. Uh, just don't like to see it under 10 bucks. You made that low yesterday right after the open at 10. Uh, you fall under 10, you're looking at 963. That was a double top from a bunch of, bunch of highs in 950. So if you're looking for a gap fill and support, uh, that's what it's going to be. But still trading at 1050. On the monthly chart, this thing's been super sleepy. Hasn't been in the 11 handle since July of 2018. So close out of a lot over 11, a good continuation move in that. Uh, we haven't talked Boeing yet today and Boeing, you know, rotation. I don't know. Get, it's up here. It's high. I look at this 380, 380 to 385 looks like a sell zone to me. Uh, the high on the 12th was 384 even. St Sellers stepped down in just under 382 yesterday and Friday, 81.75, 81.63. So looks like sellers are bringing their offers down in this one after a huge run. Uh, hey, Joel, what do you think of RMBS? And a quick RMBS story here. Um, this is back in uh, January 2010. Uh, this stock had a flash crash and it went, just went, just got killed. And at that time, Dennis was doing a lot more articles and he wrote an article said, Hey, what if this happens to the entire market and you have a flash crash in the market and you know what you had in May of 2010 flash crash. In the market. You had a flash crash. So that's my, uh, that's my Rambus story there. Uh, longer. Let's see here. Nice day yesterday. 14. I uh, got a high at 1429. Closed right near there, 1399, or excuse me, 1393 was the adjusted close. So big run up, uh, three-day rally. You want to see this thing get out, take that high out from yesterday. You may see a little bit of profit taking in this one. Um, on the monthly charts here, uh, ooh, I see a monthly high from May of 2018 at 14.30. So. All right, that's uh, that's about it. I'm uh, I'm about out of tickers here. One more for uh, Joseph here. One more. One more. AT and T. Good old AT and T had that crazy ride on that day. Never got near the pre market high. Trying to hold in here after that extended move. And for me, my warning area is going to be thirty seven bucks. As long as it stays above thirty seven bucks, I like it. North thirty seven eleven. Uh, that was your high from yesterday, 36.97, or excuse me, your low from uh, yesterday. 
and 36.97 was your on the 10. So like it above 37, I think uh, on the way back up here, you're going to find some sellers because a lot of some people maybe got caught in that big update. Okay. I saw that AT&T got hit with a lawsuit alleging that they faked DirecTV uh, Now accounts. Uh, really? And so between that and the Paul Singer acting the stake, maybe not a great time to be in IR over at AT&T. But that'll be it for today's show. I want to thank our guest, Steve Sears. Thanks to all of you in both of our chat rooms. IR? Investor relations. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thanks to all of you in our chat rooms, both on premarket.benzinga.com and youtube.com slash Benzinga TV. Please remember all the information from our show meant to be used as informational purposes only and not for investing or trading advice. Catch our podcast or just rewatch the show on YouTube as well. Any questions, comments, concerns, email us, premarket at Benzinga.com. That's it for us. Everyone have a great rest of your day. We will be back with you on Wednesday. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.